my name is Christopher Garland. I, um, I'm a uh, teacher uh, in the state of Georgia, working at an alternative school. Been working here for about 11 years. Um, been in education for 12 years. Uh, outside of education, I also coach and everything. Uh, but I also run a YouTube channel um, that helps uh, fellow educators with the use of technology um, through remote learning as well as face-to-face learning that helps um, provide more engaging activities for students, helps um, just, just bring um, the use of technology into a more hands-on approach uh, for the classroom that, that creates a lot of engagement uh, amongst uh, students and intera- interaction uh, that can help uh, promote learning. So that's, that's kind of what I do on the side along with the teaching. Hi, everybody. This is Moshe Fried, and welcome to the very 75th episode of the Class Stars podcast. Here is my conversation with Chris. The big question is, how do teachers like us, who are being pulled in so many directions, with so many demands and so much to do, how do we make sure that we not only get through our lesson as planned, but also make sure that every child is noticed every day, and that each one gets the attention they need to succeed? That is the question, and the Class Stars podcast is here to give you the answer. Here is your host, Moshe Freed. How long are you doing the YouTube channel? Uh, I actually just started it up um, back in March uh, yeah. when this pandemic um, was kind of, uh, you know, kicking off, and, and, and especially in the state of Georgia. Uh, we we went to remote learning about mid-March, and about the, a week after that, I started, you know, at home doing the uh, YouTube channel, um, you know, just because I saw there were a lot of teachers um, that really um, were not as familiar as they thought with education in, in terms of, uh, I mean, not with uh, technology within it, uh, education. And, um, and I thought, you know, at first it was kind of designed to do like how to's and stuff like that to help teachers. Um, but now I've kind of gotten into, okay, now we've gone through the how to process. Now, how can we make this interactive and engaging for your students that you can not only use in remote learning, but also in the face-to-face environment? That's great. And have you been using technology for your teaching, you know, in years prior? I mean, you're over a decade in the field so it would you know just the way you review you know the the videos that i've seen from you it sounds like you're really native with the technology you're really really good at it do you have decades of experience in that yeah we um yeah i'm still young um i'm I'm, I'm in my mid-30s but so i'm I'm considered young when it comes to um you know education and stuff like that in terms of teaching um but but you know from a personal standpoint i've always loved technology not just what you know um, is utilized in education, but just technology in general. Um, my family, uh, my wife, for instance, works in technology. She actually installs uh, like servers and things of that nature uh, for big time businesses. And, um, and so I've always been around it. And so my, my fat, my, you know, I'm just fascinated by how technology operates, how, how it can make your life easier when used properly. Um, and, and, and I want to transition that into the educational field, uh, you know, to help others um, benefit from that as well. That's great. I think uh, you hit it on the head right there. The technology needs to be used to make things easier. Yes. You know, what, what I'm finding very often, in, you know, especially in education, you know, 
you don't really find this as much outside of education because outside of education, if you don't like the technology, you don't use it. But in education, people are implementing technology in ways that are not always helpful. And, uh, you know, being a teacher is a very complicated job. You've got a lot of responsibility, a lot, you know, everybody's pulling your attention in a different way. And, you know, my experience has been that if the technology is not really, really smooth and really integrated well, it's probably going to be more of a burden than a help. Has that, uh, speak to that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think think a lot of that comes from, um, one, how how it's, you know, people find technology to be a burden a lot of times because a, you have you have several groups of individuals. Those that don't want to change, they've been doing things you know for twenty plus years, and 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 they found that it works, and it's kind of the old school way. Um, but the problem is, you know, when you deal with that, um, you can't, especially in today's educational world, you're dealing with students that. I mean, they're raised on technology. So if you're a teacher, the, the biggest thing in education is that people preach is relationships. And how can you build a relationship when you can't relate to that student? So when you can't, um, when you, you know, for instance, in the alternative school, we have to find ways of relating to the students that we deal with because a lot of them, they come from areas of poverty. They come from areas of, of maybe even criminal background and this, that, and the other. And we have to find ways that relate to them in order to draw their interest in. And I think the easiest way to do that, especially with this generation, is through the use of technology. And a lot of times people, they shy away from it because A, they don't want to change, or B, they open up to it, but the way it's presented to them is in such a way that they don't understand. Because let's face it, we've all been in professional developments that they throw a tons and tons and tons of information at you in a matter of an hour and then tell you, okay, I want this done perfectly starting tomorrow. And, you know, when you do that to people, it, they immediately shut off and they, they don't want to do it. And so they, they transition back into what they're comfortable with. And therefore, a lot of times it's that old school way of teaching by the book, by this, that, and the other. And then, and now you're in a situation that, okay, now it's hard to build that relationship with the kids. It's great. You bring up a great point that technology is a great common connector, I guess you would call it. I just had a kid in my office, you know, I'm a social worker and I had a kid in my office last week that I started working with him not that long ago, not that long ago, but we got to talking. It was actually right before the summer. I remember we started working right before the summer and then he went away for the summer. So we took a little bit of a break and now, you know, at the end of the summer, he came back and we picked it up from there. And when he came to me, this is a 13 year old boy and his mother brought him to me because he had actually gotten himself an iPhone without his parents' permission. And they were concerned, you know, about what he was doing with it and what else he was doing that they weren't aware of. And he told me that he, you know, he walked in very, very defiant. He said, listen, I'm here one time. My mother asked me to come one time. I'm not telling you anything and I'm never coming back here again. That was, you know, that was his introduction. I was like, nice to meet you too. Um, By the end of the session, he agreed to come back a second time. And, you know, which is not uncommon, you know, kids are defined, especially teenagers. Yes. 
And last week he told me that the fact that I like technology, he loves technology, this kid. He said, but the fact, he says, you're, you like tech, you're into tech. I like you much more because you like tech. He actually told me this. He said, not that I wouldn't like you if you wouldn't like tech, you're a nice guy, but because you like tech and we could talk about tech, it, I'm more motivated to talk to you and I, I like you even better if that makes sense, he told me. A very, very sweet kid. So yeah. that really speaks to that point that you just said. You know, you talk to people and, you know, living in America today, the classroom is so diverse and you have people that come from such different backgrounds and sometimes, like you said, difficult backgrounds. You know, somebody that's coming from a criminal background, you know, we live in this world of, of, of focusing on equity. You know, forget about the politics for a minute, a kid that comes into your classroom deserves your attention, no matter what, no matter yeah. what about anything. And, and, and now the challenge becomes, how do I connect with this kid? And the way you're describing it by using technology as a connector, because everybody's got some technology, you know, everybody's yeah. got something and you can connect with them and build that relationship, which, you know, like you said, is, is one of the most important things. It's, it's really fantastic. So you're talking more about technology that's interacting with, with the kids. You're using technology to interact with the kids. But like you said, there are some teachers that are just old school and they don't want to adapt to new technologies. You know, whenever I hear somebody say this, and I hear this often because you're, you're spot on with it, I think of what Steve Jobs said. I'm a big, big fan of Steve Jobs. I, I read his biography all the time. There's so much to learn from him from the way he looked at, te at technology, obviously. He said when they first started with the PC and, and typing was not a common thing. You know, most people didn't know how to type on a keyboard. And Steve Jobs' response to that was, eventually all the people that, who can't type will die and then everyone will know how to type. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, and, and that's actually what happened. And I think, you know, when I think of technology for education, at least with the segment of people that are not adopting for the reasons that you mentioned, you know, I, I hate to, I hate to say it because it's not so nice, but it's true. You know, what Steve Jobs said that younger teachers, you know, you consider yourself a younger teacher, but you've got over a decade of experience. So, you know, I, I would put you there as yes, you're young in the sense that most of your career is still in front of you, but you bring a, but you bring a lot of experience and you bring, you know, a high level of energy clearly just from hearing the way you're talking. You know, the teachers that are not getting on board with it are gonna, are gonna move out at one point or another. And then it will be all teachers that are, you know, <clears throat> adopting, using technology, relating to the kids that way. And I think yeah. that that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and going back to what you were talking about with, with the diver diversity and, and kids, um, it's, it was a funny story. Um, uh, my second year, about my second or third year of teaching, um, I, you know, dealt with a lot of kids that come from the criminal background side of things. And I was teaching math. It was more or less like a math support style class, um, to where, you know, those kids that did not, did not have success on the state testing exam or, or just in, in math as in general that were not ready for that next level. Um, they were put in my class to uh, pretty much do review style work. And we were doing conversions one day and I was dealing with a student and I, I kind of knew his background. Um, he was, 
you know, he had a heavy criminal background, especially with drugs and stuff like that. And doing conversions, he could not get it. And I kind of got in trouble by administration by doing this, but I had to find a way for him to understand how to do conversions. And so I related a lesson to him in the sense of, a, as bad as it sounds, in the sense of a drug deal um, and how you do conversions from ounces to pounds, this, that, and the other. And the kid immediately opened up. The kid immediately started having success in that because he now had something to relate to. And again, it may sound terrible from an outsider because, you know, you can argue the point, oh, you're promoting bad things or whatever. At the end of the day, I'm there to teach that kid. I'm there to have that kid have success in the real world. And then what he does and what he chooses to do in life, especially what he chose, could be a life or death situation. And based off of something as simple as a math skill. And, but at the end of the day, I was able to teach that kid that skill set that he could utilize. Now, was it for an appropriate reason? No, but at the end of the day, he was able to learn. And, and so it, it was kind of, a, you know, one of those things, you don't know the background of the kids that you're going to be with all the time. And everything that you're teaching them, it may not be used appropriately, but at the end of the day, they're learning. And I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters because now they're developing a skill set that they can utilize in the real world, whether it be for business or something in their personal life. Right. Well, I, I, would, I would jump to your defense in that kind of case, actually, because, you know, I deal, I deal with that often, you know, uh-huh. people that are doing things that are wrong. But, but what I have found you know, and I, and I believe that there's research to support this as well. You know, you're, you're absolutely right that the bottom line is you taught him a skill set that's critical for him. But I would say even more so, you know, you've empowered him and you've given him the taste of success of, of mastering a concept. And yep. he's never going to look at you the same way. You yes. know, you've earned, you've earned a certain place in his heart and now you've kind of become a, in a certain sense a role model for him. And yes. think of it this way who were his role models previously? You know, again, not to put any blame on anybody, but this is his circumstance. And he's probably dealing with drugs because that's his world that he knows. That's his role models. And for you to be able to connect with him, I would say the likelihood of him getting out of that world and into a better place is higher after you've given him this example because you show that you value him as a person, you put you put his humanity above anything else, and yes. you connect with him that way. It's so empowering, and and I would think that that should be, you know, that should be applauded. I you know I would definitely applaud you for that. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and I and I saw things from the administrative point of view and this that. You know, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but. It's like I've told my wife and everything because our our alternative school is not in the safest area. Um, I, I've been trying to work with our district to get it out of the area that it's in because, you know, unfortunately, the kids, that, majority of the kids that go to our school live in the neighborhood that the alternative school was in. And so, unfortunately, that is all they see. They don't see what's outside and they don't see 
they don't see success and, and because their fellow peers are, you know, majority of the time in the same state of that they are. Right, and, um, and so that's all they know. You know, they come to school, they use profanity a lot. They do, you know, all kinds of stuff that from a normal teacher, you might think, you know, oh man, this is, you know, how can you deal with this? I'm sure that you have suspensions and this left and right. And I just tell them, I say, look, this is their norm. You know, your your norm may be going to out to eat and going to a movie or enjoying family night or whatever it may be. Their norm is in essence survival. And and so they're gonna they're gonna characterize those traits um within the school because that's what they know. But going back to my wife, you know, she she's concerned every day that I go to that school. And I understand where she comes from, um, and, and, you know, because, you know, she she doesn't understand that side of things. And um, just like there are elements that she does that I don't understand. But at, at the end of the day, I tell her every day, I say, I go there to build relationships. I said, these kids, if I see these kids, and, and she's witnesses on several occasions, the kids that I teach that to, to the average individual is seen as probably one of the worst behaved kids in the school district, that same kid will see me out in public and I will, he will make it a point to go over and shake my hand or tell me, you know, tell me, Hey, how's it going? Or this, that, and the other. And this is the same kid that maybe last week just got out of jail. Wow, and amazing. so, um, but that's just kind of how I've, I've built, you know, those relationships in that school with not only what I'm doing, you know, in terms of, how I teach, but the use of making things relatable to those students and, and all this other stuff, but just by understanding them, you know? And, and, and so that's kind of my right. viewpoint on all those things. That's great work. It's so important because, you know, like, and you kind of said this, I'll just paraphrase it. Society looks at these kids as dangerous, you know, literally dangerous is very threatening. Yes. And, you know, you, you can walk down the street with your wife and you see one of these kids and, you know, to your wife who doesn't know them, or even, you know, even maybe to you, if you wouldn't know them, you would feel threatened by them. But because you know these kids and you work with them, they'll actually protect you if you're in yeah. danger. Yeah. You know, they, they'll have your back because you have their back and you're, you're working with them at their level. Yeah. And that's the only way to get them out of this. I mean, yeah. as far as I could tell, I, I, I don't know, you know, I know in social work, one of the big elements is you meet them where they're at, work with them at their level. there uh, hello I, I think that that's fantastic and I think it's great how you're working with these kids and you know it's a lot more um, you know someone who's into technology and obviously a teacher but bridging the technology and education gap because, you know, when I think of education technology, I think of how Amazon has revolutionized, you know, yes. the shopping experience and how technology has revolutionized medicine. Yes. You know, people are living longer. You know, technology has profoundly impacted so many different aspects of our lives. 
but, yeah. but education still seems to be stuck. We, we haven't yet been able to figure out how technology can revolutionize education where, where it just works for everybody and it works better for everybody. You know, it's not just, it, you, you have in many cases, like what you're saying, you have neighborhoods, you have communities, you know, whether they're around the world or even here in the United States in certain communities where they just don't have access and technology can provide that access. But even in places where they do have access, you know, like I'm in New York, New York City has no shortage of funding for, for education. Yeah. You know, there's no problem with, with the funding. There's no problem with the access. Every kid who lives in New York City should have access to a quality education. But yeah. we're, just, we're just struggling with this. You know, and, and I think of, of technology as a way to bridge that as well. You know, so you have it in, you know, in many different ways. So, so here I think I'm, you know, I'm going to be talking with someone who really gets technology, you know, education technology. And now I hear so much more than that, not to, not to take away from the technology part, but the, you know, it's all, it's always about the humanity. You know, I, I can tell you something, you know, and we'll talk later about class stars, you know, the people in my audience are familiar with class stars. If they're familiar with the podcast, they're familiar with the app that I've developed also. But one of the, one of the pushbacks that I've always gotten when I've introduced class stars to teachers is that you're making it too technical. It's gotta be the, you know, the humanity part is, is critical. And what I always respond to them, and I think you'll resonate with this, is that the technology will never replace the teacher. You know, like yeah. your, your example, what you've just explained, there is no technology, there's no program, there's no spreadsheet, there's no app. There is nothing that can do for these kids what you do for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the technology is a tool and it brings me back to another story that I've heard from Steve Jobs. This is actually, I don't think this is in his biography. This is a talk that he had given, I think it was in 1982. I found it on the internet after he passed away. This old talk that he had given was on a tape you know, somebody digitized it and posted it online where he was explaining what a computer is. And the way he explained the computer, he said that when he was a kid, he read an article in Scientific American about the different efficiencies and locomotion of different species. So they had done the study to see like how many calories different animals burn to cover a certain distance. And yep. he said that they tested every different type of animal and the condor one you know, the condor is a big bird. It was able to cover a vast distance using minimal effort. Yeah. And he said humans came down a third on the list, <laughs> which is a pretty weak showing for, you know, the most sophisticated species of, of the world. He yeah. said, thankfully, somebody at, at the magazine had the good sense of also testing man on a bicycle. <laughs> and man on a bicycle far outbeat the condor. Yeah. And he said, what you see from here is that people have the ability to develop tools that amplify our regular abilities. Exactly. And he said, he looks as a, at a computer as a bicycle for the mind. Yeah. It allows us to think and compute things in a far more efficient way than if we're just using our heads. And yep. that definition of the PC, I had never heard that before. You know, and I've been using, you know, at that point when I first came across this, I had been using a computer for many years already. It wasn't, you know, it was nothing new. It was after 2011, after Steve Jobs passed away. So, you know, we were well into computers and I was very, very steeped into it. But that perspective of it, and, and obviously Steve Jobs had a very unique perspective of technology, which allowed him to create all the things that he's created. Obviously the biggest uh, influencer of technology, you know, 
if not the biggest, one of the top three, you know, maybe Bill Gates, I, I don't know. I don't know, we could debate that another day. But either way, the point is that it's that perspective that allowed him to develop the technology. And, and that really shaped the way I look at technology, the way I think about technology, the way I interact with technology. Is it amplifying my natural capabilities? Technology, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of debate about, you know, IE, you know, AI, I'm sorry, and, uh, and how that's gonna take over you know, I think of technology as empowering people and, you know, taking the work that you're doing in these, you know, in these communities where the kids are coming literally with their own criminal backgrounds to be able to connect with them and to, to build them up that way is really, really amazing. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Let's, talk about, let's talk about your own use of technology. And obviously, like you said, you always like technology, but trying to teach other people to use technology, because that's something that I always grapple with, always struggle with, trying to find the most efficient ways to teach people how to use technology. So, so you said that when the COVID pandemic started, you saw that a lot of people were having a hard time with technology. Can you talk a little bit more of that specifically? Well, it, you know, obviously when, when COVID hit, you know, it, it's, it's unprecedented times, not only down here in the South, but all over the world. And you quickly had to learn to adapt uh, to something. And, and I, told, I told people, everybody that I was around, um, and, and, and to kind of deviate a little bit, I told everybody that I was around is, now is the time for you to develop a skill that's not, that's, that's, you can utilize within your current work or you can utilize elsewhere because you're going to see a huge transition with technology, with, with the way people operate and all this other stuff. So in seeing that and looking at education, I found that teachers more or less were saying that they knew how to use technology. And, and, but their basis of that was I have a smartphone. I have a smart TV and things of that nature. And I'm, and I, so, so what I do is I'm like, I ask them, okay, you have a smartphone. How can you, how can you relate that smartphone to your work? Like what can you do in that smartphone that could benefit your work? And that's when I started to realize, okay, their knowledge of technology is not as in depth as what they're saying, because their knowledge of a smartphone is, Hey, I can browse the occasional internet site or I can text or I can write an email. And that was it, which are basic functions. And so I knew then that I needed to utilize what I know in, in sharing that knowledge with other educators. And I started out small within my, my own building. Um, and then from there, you know, started developing this YouTube channel that, that, you know, helps those outside of us. Um, but the biggest thing that I have found in teaching technology and teaching teachers how to utilize technology is the first thing I tell them is find pieces of what I'm about to tell you that relate to you. So if, if I'm talking about, you know, the use of a program called Edpuzzle that allows you to develop um, to take videos and make them interactive with students, take everything that I say, break it down, write it, you know, write everything that I say, pay attention to everything I say. And then from there, 
Now you need to break it down and how this can relate to you. How can this be beneficial to you or can it? Because not every piece of technology is going to be beneficial to everybody. You know, some may benefit from it more than others. And so that's kind of my teaching point is a, you know, taking the information and B, okay, how can I relate this to me? How can this be beneficial to my students who I teach? And I think by going into aspects in that route gives teachers a more uh, ease of mind because a lot of times when you say, okay, we have a professional development, it's two hours on how to operate Google Classroom or something like that, you know, they're not going to see the context. They're going to see, I have to sit in this thing for two hours. And, and you know, I, I don't think, I think taking those approach automatically shuts down teachers' minds and te or individual minds. I've been, I, I'm, you know, bad about it and I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I go into professional developments and somebody may tell me, okay, we're doing this for X amount of time. And my mind immediately shuts off and I go find something of interest to me and this, that, and the other. And it may not even relate to education because I'm so bored uh, of, of hearing this bland model that people approach things. And, and so I think, I think what I found is being successful is telling individuals, look, take in the information, but then break down what relates to you. And how can you relate it to me? And from there, now we, now we have a baseline that we can build off of. So, you know, if I can develop this baseline, okay, I can utilize the software to do X, Y, and Z. Now I can build to build that house, so to speak, um, to, to, you know, bring in better success in my classroom. And, and I, I think a lot of people don't see things in that way of relating things like how we're trying to relate things to students. We as teachers have to find things that relate to us in order to have success as well. It's amazing. I'll tell you a couple of things that I, that, you know, that sparked off in my head as I'm listening to you speak. I remember years and years ago when I first, you know, years and years ago, about 13 or 14 years ago, I don't need to make it sound like, like I'm doing this for longer <laughs> than I am. Um, <laughs> I, I was doing a PD for a group of teachers and there was one particular teacher. This was a school where I worked in, and, and I had, per, you know, I had interacted personally with most of the teachers just as a social worker working with the kids and, and working together with the teachers. But there was one particular teacher who I hadn't at that point yet worked with. And they had this PD, and everybody was there, and everybody was really into it. It was great. I had a great conversation because I knew these people. I had worked with them. So everything was very contextual for them you know, like the way you described, mm -hmm. you know, they, they yeah. understood how it would apply. Like I was able to give them examples with their own students that I knew that they were struggling with. We were working together. There was one particular teacher that sat in the back and he was just busy on his phone the entire time. And mind you, it yeah. wasn't even a smartphone. It was like a basic flip phone. Like what could he have been doing already now thinking back, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember being so upset about it because like, you know, it is rude when somebody's speaking and you're just sitting there and you're doing something else. But, but it was more than that because this guy was like one of those guys that was very principled. Like he was always like, you know, very, you got to do the right thing and this is how it should be done. Like, you know, he was that kind of guy. And I, and I was thinking like, you know, if you wouldn't be like this and I wouldn't care so much if you're not paying attention to me, but you know, you of all people should be paying attention. Anyway, yeah. the, 
in between, I had given a series of PDs and in between, I actually had to work with him on something. And by the time the next PD came along, he actually apologized to me beforehand for having been on his phone the time before. And I didn't ask him to say, you know, I didn't, I didn't mention anything to him, obviously, but he came yeah. over to me and he said he was just upset, you know, with the administrators. You know, he had, he had a little run with the administrator earlier that day. So he was kind of on strike with the administrator. So that's what that was all about, which is interesting because, you know, here, here it is like the, 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 like you said, the way we interact with the kids is the way we really need to interact with each other. You know, yeah. we need to make it engaging. We need to make it contextual. And sometimes the way we act is, is the way the kids act. You know, the teacher yeah. was upset with the administrator, so he was throwing his little, you know, age-appropriate tantrum, you know, with me. And, you know, it, it kind of brings that out. But, yeah, you know, but it, it really needs to be contextual. And, and a lot of the feedback that I'm getting also when I talk to teachers and this is, you know, at first, you know, I was getting this locally, but as I started reaching out to teachers across the country and across the world as well through social media, you know, this is really a worldwide phenomenon is that a lot of teachers don't really trust their administration. You know, they feel their yeah. administration has a different agenda. You know, they don't want their, their, their admins down their back. They don't want them having access to, you know, to everything that they don't want them so involved as sometimes the admins get. And that's yeah. a very that's a very difficult balance. How do you, you know, and, and one of the dangers, you know, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, but, but more specifically, as things become digital, it gives more access to, yep. you know, it, it's more of a big brother problem where administrators now have access to the teachers, you know, step-by-step -step work and everything that they're doing. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, and that's a difficult thing because we, because recently in the coming, uh, this past weeks, um, you know, we've gotten emails from administration, hey, we need your class code for your Google Classroom uh, so we can pop in from time to time on Google Meet and things of that nature. And, and it's, it's a, you know, it starts, it starts getting to be a trust issue. You know, does my administrator trust that I'm doing, um, my job or, you know, I, I don't need all this heavy criticism and this, that, and the other. And, and I think as it's one of those things that you got to look at it from both sides of the, of the, of the spectrum. And I think I try and tell people all the time, look at things like this. Hey, you can't always um, see, you know, get instant feedback in what you're doing. So if I'm an administrator and I pop into your Google Meet or whatever you're using and I'm observing and just observing, you know, what the students are doing, what you were doing as a teacher and things like that, I can now provide that instant feedback on, okay, what went well, what, what didn't went well, you know, what didn't go so well. And I think, you know, in, in society these days, we have a hard time of taking in criticism. And, you know, if, if something is not in the viewpoint of, of another, then it's wrong, you know, and that's instantly what we say, what we see, you know, we see that outside of education, society in general. And, and I try and stress to fellow teachers, look, it's just, it's constructive criticism. That's all it is. It's to make you better. It's to provide you that other insight that maybe you didn't see. Um, now, do I think that education 
Um, because one problem I've always felt, especially in the most recent years, is I believe education is turning into a business. Um, because at the end of the day, what's it all about? And it's all about money. Well, what are businesses about? They're about money. They're about, you know, profit gains, profit losses, this, that, and the other. And every, every time you turn the corner, you're hearing about budgets. You're hearing about, uh, you know, some type of money, um, situation that, you know, is, is when you sit back to think about it is, okay, are we as an American society going the right route of education? Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's one of these things that from a, from a teacher um, and trying to help other educators as well, it's hard to, you know, get them on board with certain things, especially the administrators looking in your classroom. But I try and keep that positive hopes that they can get. If not, I mean, push them away. You know, I, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. But I think it's, I think it's even more than that. You know, and I'll go back to your story that you had about your student who, who was a drug dealer. Uh-huh. The administrators could not see this kid in a positive way. You know, they couldn't help but be judgmental of him and what he was doing. And your way of connecting with him, you know, actions speak louder than words. Your actions told him, you know, I see you as a person, not as a drug dealer. And obviously you need to deal with these drugs. You know, this is your world. This is what, this is where you're at right now. Okay. But I'm going to connect with you anyway. And that's really the way to pull them out of it. You know, so, so if you're administrator, like, like if you're a teacher and you see, hey, my admins don't even get my kids, yeah. there's no way they're going to get me, right? And, and yeah. I'm the one, you know, that's like, you know, when the baseball team's not doing well, what do they do? They fire the manager, yeah. right? So these kids are not performing. What are they going to do? They're going to reassign you. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not even, you know, everything that you said is true, but I think what a lot of these teachers are fearing, and, and I'll tell you, I've gotten mixed responses from different teachers and different admins you know like i had one administrator who actually runs a great district the teachers were all like all on board with her and when i mentioned this concern to her she said that's not going to be a problem here because we're already so integrated yeah we're using so much technology and we see everything already anyway so you know whatever you're adding to it is really not going to make a difference and then i've had and then i've had the opposite extreme where you know, they're just complaining that the, the, you know, the admins don't get it and all they care about is test scores. And like you're saying, it's like a whole business mentality and, yep. and forget about the kids, forget about us, you know, and then you wonder why, you know, they're always in gridlock between the unions and the, you know, it's just, it's just chaotic. Everyone's just trying to pull their own weight in their own direction, not being considerate for the bigger picture then you have a, you know, a couple of teachers and hopefully more than a couple of teachers, but you have some teachers who are in the trenches in it with these kids and, and see how critical you are for these kids. I mean, you take yeah. a look at the kid, you know, this story that you gave at the beginning of the conversation is so important because how many responsible adults, you know, positive role models are in this kid's life. Exactly. Not enough. Exactly. And, and, you're, and you're a game changer for this kid. Yep. And every, and every teacher could be. 
exactly. And I think I think one of the biggest problems in the educational field is when you look at leadership roles and you're looking at, you know, from a district personnel and things and things of that nature. I think I've always said to individuals, one of the one of the worst things that you can ask in a job interview is to me is experience. And the reason why I say that, I say that for one reason is because times are constantly changing. And so if, if you approach me and you say, okay, you're going for this district leadership position, how many years of experience have you had in education? At nine times out of 10, especially those that are in the leadership roles of today, you hear 20 plus years. And so they take that and they say, okay, now you're qualified for the job. And I think that is such a bad way of looking at things because now you're sitting up there in that leadership position and you're trying to run things as if the education system is the same as it was 20 years ago. And it's not. You deal with different kids. You know, you're, you know, you present programs and say, hey, this is the this is the one-time fix and things like that. And people don't understand that when it comes to apps or or programs or things like that, they are designed initially for ideal situations. So if I develop a if I develop a program and say, hey, use this at your alternative school or use this in your school. It will solve all your problems with behavior because you can do this, 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 and this. That's for an ideal situation because name a program that in the directions or in this talks about you have a kid that, that, you know, mom just committed suicide, this, that, and the other, and all the, all these events that happen in real life. And now what do you do? And there's not one out there. And so you have these leaders that are in these positions that they've been out of the classroom for 10 plus years and they don't know really what's going on in the classroom. And so, you know, I I just, I think that is one of the biggest problems with education is that you don't have enough individuals in leadership roles that can truly relate to present day education. I think, I think that you're right about that. And I think that it's an even bigger problem. I mean, I don't know what, what you're thinking, but you'll let me know what you think about this. I think it's an even bigger problem than that because it's almost like the system breeds a disconnect because what yes. happens is, you know, like right now, like you said, you're young and you're in it and you're in the trenches and you clearly get it. But then you get promoted and now you're out of it. And what's to say that you aren't going to succumb to the same, you know, these guys exactly. were like, you know, were like us. And when they were in the trenches, you know, the reason why they were promoted and, and, and moved on to so-called higher level, I, I always wonder if that's the right way to describe it. Because to me, the closer you are to the kids, you know, that's the highest level. You know, exactly. the kids is the highest level there needs to be a structure to the system. So you need to put somebody at the top of it. But ultimately, I think we, we look at it the wrong way. I think, you know, and it's complicated, obviously, but just, you know, to me, I think of that, if you're interacting with kids, you're, you're at a much higher level than if you're not interacting with kids. Exactly. 
You know, and you have, you have administrators that interact more with the kids and, and those administrators are obviously better for, you know, having their finger on the pulse or their boots on the ground, whatever term you want to use. But, but it's, you know, it, it's kind of a system that, that breeds its own deficiencies and that the longer you're in it, the further disconnected you are and the more you end up with these kinds of problems, you know, and, and I don't know that there's any simple solution to that. Well, I think it starts with, with, with revamping a curriculum that is more realistic. And, and I think um, because I mean, when you think about it, one of the biggest pet peeves I have with our local school district uh, and even the state of Georgia is the fact that you take a kid that goes through their 12 years of school and you're setting them up as if they need to go to college. You know, you're, you're, you're making them take all these maths, all these histories, all these ELAs, sciences, and all this, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, not every kid is bred to be a biochemist. Not every kid is bred to be a college uh, graduate, a master's graduate or whatever. And I think the, Step one in education, especially in the state of Georgia and, and other states kind of do this, is they need some type of pathway system for these kids where you eliminate, you know, classes that are not necessary. You know, if I want to be if I want to be a car mechanic, why do I need British lit? Why do I need all this stuff? I mean, it, you're wasting. I mean, you're honestly wasting students time teaching them these things because uh, you know not every kid is going to be somebody that's going to do british lit or utilize british lit in their career and and the problem that i see especially in the state of georgia is that's the way their curriculum's went written everybody has to take the same curriculum in the state of georgia in order to be considered a high school graduate and i think that needs to change because kids aren't the same the way they think are, is not the same and, and they're immediately going to lose interest. And that's why the, the dropout rate is higher than it was 10 years ago is because they go through these schools taking things that are a waste of time, you know? And, and it's like um, to take that a step further within my school, I do a lot of, you know, like everything I do in terms of my videos that I make and all that, I do all that self, I'll do all that editing myself. I'm not saying it's the greatest, but everything was self-taught. And, and somebody approached me and was like, why can't we have a class that talks about this and, and, and things of that nature? And, I, and I, I totally agree with them because at the end of the day, those are skills that maybe majority of your kids want to learn because that may interest them. Because again, it boils back to, how can you relate things to that student in order for them to have success? And I think it starts with revamping the curriculum, especially where we're at in the state of Georgia, in order to make that happen. Chris, it has really been a pleasure. I was not expecting what we got here. I was, you know, not that I, I know I had pretty good expectations, but <laughs> you've over-delivered. You've over-delivered today. And I appreciate your passion and, and your care for, for the students that you teach especially going to a community like you've gone to that seems so risky and seems dangerous and, and really putting yourself out there for these kids. They're really lucky to have you. 
And uh, we're really lucky that you came on the podcast. So thanks so much. And I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation another time. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. Just uh, just let me know and, and I'll be glad to, to get on and, and talk about things and, and, and how it relates to, you know, going back to technology and, and whatever else we can make things relate to. Because at the end of the day, it's about these kids and it's about having, you know, giving them the success they need. Uh, to in order to live, I mean, to be honest, and now and society nowadays. Awesome, Chris. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into the Class Stars podcast. To learn more about our vision for education, subscribe to us, visit our website, take our free training, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Join the revolution in education and become a Class Stars today, empowering educators one episode at a time.